Hello, and welcome to Recruiting and Hospitality from Cater.com. In each episode, we get top names on hospitality to discuss all things related to people management and retention development across the sector. Today, we're tackling a subject matter that is vital, that is so important to the success of any teams and business within the sector. We already know the perception of hospitality across the UK is that it's celebrating long hours, low pay, and all the rest of it. Well, we've got a team of experts today that will tackle just how we can embrace mental well-being, promote it, change it, inspire people to, to be kind and look after themselves. Now, when we thought about this subject, we couldn't think of any better experts to talk about mental well-being than our panel today. Join me in welcoming Craig Prentice, founder and director at MUM. Welcome, Craig. Juliana Vitilio, Head of Mark Fundraising and Marketing at Hospitality Action, and Ola Gide Alabi, Brand Equality, Inclusion, and Wellbeing Partner at Turtle Bay. We wanted to um, go straight into a walk for wellbeing and Craig. Craig, after years in hospitality, in 2020, you created and launched Walk for Wellbeing. Tell us what, what got you into that. I guess it started with a very simple idea of bringing people together. Um, the times were... Um, can we mention the COVID word, pandemic? Um, so people were very separated, very isolated, very stressed and anxious. Um, and I had the idea of, I guess, bringing people together or attempting to, um, to raise awareness around mental health, um, to, to have a sense of belonging together um, at what was quite a difficult time. I've sat on the fundraising board at Hospitality Action for a number of years, so... Um, the charity had decided to switch the focus to grant giving um, to help those people in need. So um, um, hundreds of, of grants were given out. Um, but I, and, and, and obviously the time was very pressured from a finance perspective for people. So rather than go full, full hog with asking people for money, we wanted to do something that was really subtle um, and more about well-being, encouraging people to, to come together to talk, to share, um, but then fundraise at the same time. So it was a very soft fundraising event initially. And um, it's I think the first year we raised about £17,000, which was great, um, thanks to a lot of people and um, the support of partners. And Caterer.com were, were kind of, have been with us since the beginning, which has been fantastic. And um, it just evolved from there, really. We, we did 13000 in the second year because times were much more challenging for people from a financial perspective. And then last year we did 92 and a half thousand pounds, which um, was incredible con considering, um, you know, people are still financially um, aware of, of, you know, expenditure. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it's got a very special vibe to it. It's a very special project. Um, whilst it was my idea, you know, th the project has come together thanks to the help of many. And there are tons of people involved in it. Um, a great organising committee, um, the charity, um, partners such as Cater.com and People Bank this year. And then, like I say, a committee full of people uh, representing various um, hospitality companies and businesses. Um, so it's, it, there's a true spirit with the walk. And, um, you know, I say to people, it's much more than a walk. It is very much um, a community event. What are you setting out to achieve this year, this fourth year? So uh, we want to be bigger and better this year. Um, so um, we've started well. We're on, a, 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 I think, 300 sign-ups already. 
Last year we had a total of 400. So with two months to go, we've got 300 um, signups and 32,000 pounds ish in the bank, which is great. Um, so we're well, we've, we've got a good start. And I think what, what, in terms of what we're looking to achieve, bringing people together, um, giving people an opportunity from, or giving different people from different areas of hospitality an opportunity to meet and mingle, um, raising awareness for, the, for well-being, mental health, and of course the charity and the work that they do, um, which um, I think a lot of people don't know about, which hopefully Gene will, you know, will um, share in a bit. But um, there's a lot of wonderful work that goes on there from a great team, and I'm really proud to be able to um, to support. I mean, that's incredible work, and I'm sure it will be a success. We're, we're, we're in partnership with you again this year. We'll be out there walking uh, with you, which we'll talk about in a moment. But six to, back to that report, we just, the study we just looked at, 62% of respondents believe the hospitality industry does not do enough for the physical and mental health of employees. How do you think we can change that? I agree there's a lot of work to be done. I think um, there are a lot of different, there's a lot of good going on behind the scenes. There are a lot of companies doing great things and initiatives, um, but I think there's a lot of work to be done. And I think something like the walk is somewhere super simple to start. Um, it's got to start somewhere um, and there's got to be action that's taken. So I'm a big believer in, um, excuse the pun, walk in the walk um, rather than the talk, you know. And I think you know, sometimes we can get distracted in hospitality with the talk uh, as opposed to the walk. And something simple like walk for wellbeing is a great start. I am very sure it will be a massive success. Give us some details around dates and time. What happens next? How can people get involved? So this year we're running the event across two and a half weeks. So from the 30th of September to the 15th of October. Anyone can take place wherever they are in the country. So at any time. So it's all about challenging themselves, uh, people challenging themselves and taking part wherever they are across the country. And then this year we've got five hosted walks um, in London, Bath, Bristol, Birmingham, Manchester, Glasgow. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Sounds incredible. Thank you. We were, and we were behind you 100% on that. And then Hospitality Action, Giuliana. Hospitality Action was established in 1837 and has since offered vital assistance to all who work or have worked in hospitality. Tell us more about Hospitality Action. We are the UK trade charity for everybody who works in hospitality. Um, whether you're England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, we're here for you. You could work in a bar, you could work in a hotel, you could be front of house, you could work in events, work in a nightclub, school dinner lady. We're here to support you, whatever the difficulty. Our um, tagline is we've got you and we'd like to think that we really have got our people. Incredible. And how have employers responded to your work? Yeah, very positively. Um, we... Um, as Craig said, perhaps awareness of us isn't at the levels that we would like. We are a very old charity. I think during the pandemic, a lot more people became aware of us and what we were doing, and a lot more people turned to us for help and for support. Sadly, applications for assistance, they do remain through the roof from people from all walks of life, people of all ages, people from all roles, people from all sectors. So we're here to support in any way that we can. What are some of your biggest successes today? Or do you mean fundraising wise? Fundraising wise and getting people on board. Oh, well, Walk for Wellbeing, huge success. £92,000 raised last year alone. I would like to think we could do bigger and better. 
Um, during the pandemic, we released a cookbook. That was a personal highlight of mine. We were number two in the Sunday Times bestseller hardback nonfiction, which I love for our chefs at home cookbook, which you can still get on uh, Waterstones and Amazon. And our lovely gala chef dinners and things, they obviously, the events was a core part of our fundraising. With the pandemic, obviously they fell to the wayside, but it's been so great to be back back to the floor. There's a huge event in our industry, which Catra.com have kindly sponsored and supported in the past. So back to the floor is a real like um, jewel in our crown, but all of our fundraising galas and events are something that we're all really proud of. And those are fabulous events. I've been to them. They're so fun. So tell me about the rest of the year. What have you got lined up for? We have a polo day in the Southwest in uh, Bowfoot Polo Club. So we're all looking forward to that. That's our first one since 2019, just because of the pandemic. Um, then we have a chef's dinner up in Manchester and we have one here in London on the 6th of November at Nobu. So it's going to be really special. And obviously we are planning ahead and looking forward to next year. The walk will be back, I'm sure, next year. Our gala dinners will be back. So there's all sorts of different ways that people can get involved and support us. Exciting. You've mentioned applications going through the roof. Mental health is, is that unseen destructive force that goes through workforces and completely unsettle everything. How do you see the industry reacting to mental health and what do you think we can do more of? Well, I can tell you that um, mental health issues and wellbeing, they don't discriminate. You could be at any role within the sector and you could still have issues. One in two people who come to us for support, they reference mental health in their application. Could be depression, anxiety, stress related. I'd like to think that there is more awareness of these issues in the industry. Nowadays, it's 2023. Things don't need to be so covered and so hidden away. We have the 24-7 helpline, which is open every single day of the year. It's free to access and it's in over 170 languages. So language doesn't need to be a barrier if you're in need of support. Um, hopefully people will know that we are here to support. We've got so many great resources, our online advice hub, we um, facilitate face-to-face -face and over-the-phone counselling sessions. So there's lots of different ways and lots of different support that people can access through us. We're so proud of the work you do because you're raising, raising awareness, well, all of you, of to a subject that a lot of people can't visualise. And so it's always swept on the carpet and not really brought to the forefront. And Olajide, you have been for years an absolutely incredible ambassador for all things well-being, equity, diversity, and inclusion. I love your journey. I love your story. And we've looked at one of your websites and, and one, of your, one of your things, which I've just um, copied, which is I can empathize with marginalized groups, having been a part of one all my life and learning how to steer myself in the workplace to fit in. What I am most passionate about achieving is that the workplace is a place everyone can thrive. And it is not a place any marginalized group feels they should dim their light. What a powerful statement. Who mm. said that? <laughs> Yours truly, yourself. <laughs> and so Olajide is the brand equality, inclusion, and well-being partner at Turtle Bay. In 60 seconds, I know, we, I know we'll go over that. <laughs> Tell me about your journey, your incredible journey. I mean, I've worked in hospitality for over 20 years in different roles from front of house to back of house to management, hotels, bars, restaurants, did the works and then stepped into the wonderful world of recruitment where I met yourself, worked in recruitment in hospitality for 10 years. Um, and it's such a difference from working frontline in a restaurant or a hotel where you feel like everyone's different and actually you feel like you're part of a 
one big team and everyone respects everyone to working in an office environment where it was, it's quite a white space um, most of the time. It's quite a male white space um, and, and actually felt really out of place. I felt like I stuck, stuck out like a sore thumb. Got told several times to basically dim my light, don't laugh so loud, change the way that you speak. Um, and and actually then I found this passion of for wanting to change the way that the workplace was the language that's used in the workplace, the way that we treat people in the workplace. Um, and I found my passion for diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, and 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 then yeah, basically fell into learning more, researching more, reading more, um, and just and just kind of understanding different aspects of um different marginalized groups, different communities, um, and set up my own business in 20, 2020, God, I should know that, um, called Sisu. Um, and Sisu was born out of a place of actual frustration. Um, and I always tell people that, you know, I, it was birthed from a place of frustration, but also trauma. Um, you know, working in an environment where you constantly feel like you can't be yourself or you're constantly being challenged for the way that you are or the way that you communicate or, you know, the colour of your skin, the people that, you know, your sexuality, your gender, whatever it is, is tiresome. Um, and actually that trauma was what then led to me wanting to change the world and, and go out and educate businesses and educate people on how to just make sure that we do the right thing. Um, and, and that's how I ended up working with Turtle Bay. I actually started consulting with them in 2020 as well um and then they asked me to come on full time and now i'm the equality inclusion and well-being partner there well more than 60 seconds but but just wow but just wow just wow trauma and and that's just one side of the story there are many people who haven't got a platform to share and to come away from that trauma to help other people there are people still going how do i speak when do i speak what happens if i speak what are the repercussions of me speaking? So we can't celebrate enough the work you're doing. CEOs and owners of businesses get involved because this is such a important topic that it needs to come from top down, where it seems to sometimes be from mid-level down as opposed to there's a disconnect, I think, from CEO. Do, do you guys find that? It's it's very hard going into a conversation with CEO. They go, speak to HR, or speak to my hiring leaders. Do we see a big opportunity here for getting CEOs in a room to really tackle this conversation. I always say that needs to have, it starts with the intention, doesn't it? So to have, you've got to have buy-in from a complete leadership team. So it starts with the intent and then obviously the action, right? Um, and I think you used quite an interesting word, journey, um, which it is. I think a lot of people are quite scared of even starting because it is a bit of a minefield, isn't it? You know, in terms of, um, you know, the different types of um, people that we have in our industry. So it can be a bit of a minefield. But um, I think, you know, that intention, I think also including the, the team members as well and having the team members have a seat at the table. Um, so shadow boards, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really important what you said there about team members. I think like, just because it has to come from the top doesn't mean that you can't get team members to champion it within the business. I think what's worked really well at Turtle Bay is that we have an E&I team who are championing in the work. So if I have an initiative that I want to run within the business, I'll go to the champions and ask them if it's okay or if it needs adapting. And then once it's signed off, I'll get them to shout about it. So 
for instance, yesterday, we, you know, this last couple of weeks, the E&I team have been really challenging them to champion more stuff and use the tools that we've got and the resources. And we have created a glossary with, because I think language plays such a huge part in like understanding things and understanding people. And we created a glossary of, of different terminology that people can, un can use. And one of the, the team members in our in the E&I team has started using that as part of his management meeting. So he'll pull like two pages on the glossary and use that as like the center point of conversation for their management meeting. And like he told me that he did it this week. And I was like, please, can you shout about it on our internal comms so that everyone else can learn from that? And actually having people within your business that can really shout about, even if it's the smallest things that they're doing and it's from the E&I or wellbeing space, just really helps them other people go oh, if he's doing it then maybe we should do it or maybe we'll adapt it and do it this way so that really really helps having those champions there is a link between um equality diversity and inclusion and mental well-being and we need to put a, make that connection tell us what that is i'll give you a little scenario here so i like to do a little scenario so basically i have i come into work every day and I stumbled into work um, and I've actually come from, from home and my living situation isn't great, but I come into work thinking that I'm gonna, I'm gonna like have a bit of respite. But actually the team uh, don't include me in conversations. They sometimes use language that is actually really quite damaging for me, whether that is racist slurs or homophobic slurs. Um, and there's loads of banter around with the team, but actually the banter isn't really banter, it's kind of bullying. Um, and I see signs of maybe there's a bit of sexual harassment going on with the other members of the team. And actually the working environment just isn't that inclusive for everyone. Um, and so I leave work every day feeling fairly stressed and, and fairly sad and miserable. And I go home to a, work, a home life that isn't great. And actually my whole mental health and my whole well-being is completely affected because of the working environment I'm, I've left. And so actually if you're doing that day to day, your mental health and your well-being, your physical health, is, is, is absolutely shattered um, and I think people forget that there's such a huge correlation between if you don't feel included you don't feel that you belong you don't feel seen you don't feel valued and that happens on a continuous cycle for five six days a week and you're going home that's going to affect your mental health that's going to affect the way that you sleep it's going to affect the way that you eat it's going to affect the way that you you, you you do anything around your well-being so yeah there's just a huge correlation with a bit around feeling included and feeling like you belong and being treated right to the way that you you you, you deal with your your well-being yeah juliana so there is a perception in hospitality that the the gold the, the golden employee is the one that works long hours they're the ones that that chef that's going to come in. i've literally heard this week that there were hiring leaders who did not hire great chefs we've looked through the cvs and they worked there, it was impeccable record. However, the, the feedback from the hiring leader was, when I spoke to that chef, he, he could only work every other weekend and never got the job. Because the celebration of excellence in our industry is you've got to be that robust, you've got to be working and giving everything. So there's a lot of burnout, unreported burnout, I would say, in the sector. How do you know when you've reached a point well, firstly, I would say I've got a lot of respect for um, that chef who stuck to his guns and say, no, I can only work every second weekend or these are my hours and we need more people like that and um, more leaders uh, so you can follow by example. If you work in an events team and you see your manager is emailing at nine o'clock at night, that's not a good example to set to the 
team, it's all very good. Yeah, like you said before, Craig, talking the talk, you also have to walk the walk, do the actions when you're at work as well. So set a good example for your um, teammates as well. And it's really crucial not to reach burnout. It's a, a shame. A lot of people come to us at the charity when they are on that door. I mean, they have nowhere else to turn. But we are here throughout the entire struggle. Um, you can give us a call. You can send us an email um, any time in the journey that you need support from us. You don't have to wait until the last minute to seek help and to ask for support. And on that note, Craig, what are some of the signs, would you say, of burnout or somebody experiencing a mental health you know, deprivation or something like that? What, what are some of the signs to look for? I guess like every, a lot of people, and I've, I've been there myself, um, thinking back to that time, my mental health struggles were as a result of grief and loss. Um, my The signs I would say are disassociation, distance, um, unusual behavior, um, yeah, disconnect. I think that was mainly mainly kind of what I displayed, um, as well as kind of not looking after myself, you know, and I think you were saying about, you know, um, you know, the whole well-being piece and food, diet, you know, um, alcohol was a big one for me, you know, four and a bit years ago. Um, and I kind of stuck my head in the sound, sand and, you know, wanted to run away. But I think that's how I dealt with it. I think there's a whole list, isn't there, really? Um, very, very, it's a very personal thing, but certainly that was um my my own case well one of the other stats is um here is only one in every 10 workers stated that they had access to mental health awareness training so that's quite alarming where do we start as an industry if you were all meant to give a bit of advice to one each to an employer going this is overwhelming there's a lot going on here in this subject a lot of it's invisible how do i tackle the invisible you know, but 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 such destructive thing that if not not tackled, what would you say are your top advice to an employer that just needs to get it right, but has got a clue where to where to start, where to look? I think it's not being afraid to tackle it head on. I think it's starting small um, and looking at your options. I think mental health first aid training is fantastic. I think it's great for awareness, but it's not everything, and it and it's very much I think if you take a step back and look at the belonging piece and how you um, encourage people to show up turn up to work feel part of the team um, and feel like they can be themselves I think that's a very simple way to start we love that creating a sense of belonging people love to feel like they belong and actually there's a real value in feeling like you belong so that's great thank you for that Juliana I would say it's the small things, checking in, asking, how was your weekend? You know, sometimes you can be so busy and so stressed out yourself and it's about making time to stop, to have breaks, to speak to colleagues one-on-one. -on -one. That's why things like the walk are so good. It takes you outside of the work environment so you can relate on a one-to-one -one human level. Um, and it's also, I think, important that, yeah, absolutely do the mental health first aid training and courses so everybody's up to date and knows what to do that kind of sense but also to look after your mental health first aiders to look after the people in HR as well they're not robots they need support too so it's about having those kind of support and um, structures in place as well and I think also just jumping onto that I think 
is trying to avoid the words mental health and well-being as much as possible. I don't know what what you would say, but on this, but I I went into a five star hotel last year and did a bit of a talk and shared with their mental health first aid team, and they were talking about the challenges that they had, and they were talking about um, their team members not being engaged for wellbeing Wednesdays. So, um, and it was quite evident from the conversation, and I'm sure they won't mind me um, mentioning this, but it was quite evident that everything had a label with well-being on it. And for me, if you're having to use the term well-being or mental health to look after your team, I think there's something quite wrong in in that um, in that in itself. Um, so I think try and avoid it as much as possible, and just look after people. Great, great advice. Apology there. What are you doing? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with what Craig just said. Like, I think, I think we forget that we're all just humans, right? And this, like, the whole DEI and well-being space, unfortunately, does create a lot of of labels, unnecessary labels sometimes. And actually, those labels continue to create stereotypes, and those stereotypes are from biases and stuff. So, I think you're right. Stay if we can stay away from labels as much as possible, then and just treat everyone right. That and do the right thing when we can then that's the best way forward but I also think that from what's worked well for us at Turtle Bay especially is you know we've stopped we've not called it our well-being strategy we've called it our Bay kind strategy because it's just about being kind um, and one thing that I think really works well is is I think it's Maya Angelou who said once we know better we can do better and I think as long as we are able to provide people with the resources and the tools to be able to look after their own mental health or well-being then I think that's a good starting point. I think if you're able to provide them with resources, whether that's um, a a hub of videos, of reading material, access to an EAP, access to counselling, therapy, um, all that kind of stuff, so people can actually make their own choices to look after themselves, um, that's a good starting point. Because once people can understand that, you know, well-being isn't just about your mental health. It is about your physical, your financial, your, you know, there's loads of aspects of well, of well-being and actually getting people to understand those different pockets and giving them the tools to be able to look after those different pockets, I think is a good starting point. Well, we're in a staffing crisis. We still are. We still, with the bottom, we, we, we still have lots of vacancies unfilled and we're still having um, areas where we just can't find talent. But it's interesting because 45% of respondents stated that they would not recommend working on hospitality. This is from the Royal Society for Public Health um, Service Without a Smile survey. Uh, 45% respondents would not recommend the industry that we're, we love so much, that we've spent our entire lives working across. We're still seeing people um, hiring leaders saying, you're not going to cut it because you, you can't do 12 hours a day. We're, st- we're still seeing mentalities around be flexible working and and you know i i, I would have dropped the kids off so i've got to come and leave a bit earlier well you can't and we've seen a lot of that and we've got three amazing incredible people here who are championing the remote even if we have a semblance of of, of change and, and and these people are fighting for that craig we love the work you do we're going to be supporting you in this walk we're there the entire catered team are behind you we love the work hospitality action do we always have um, bring on those dinners and dine cooking. Uh, we love all of that. Great stuff. Uh, and Alajada, you have always been that inspiring voice of change. And I, I, we just can't celebrate you all enough. So thank you. 
for your incredible work. And I really do hope people listening today will go, hang on a minute, we haven't got it right. And if we've got it right, we celebrate that. But if there are areas where we feel that we're not being kind, let's maybe not say well-being strategy, but being just simple things with being kind, how do we monitor that? How do we look at the effects of having a workforce that's all together looking after each other? And that is what we're aiming for. So thank you all for listening. And please follow, um, Craig, how can we follow, follow, what, follow what you're doing? How can I us follow? The walk is very much, um, has been embraced as a hospitality action event um, uh, this year. So we've, we've officially gone over to your channels of, um, on social media, which is fantastic. Um, so it's at hospitality action. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram at hospitality action and on Twitter at hospitation. Or just visit our website, hospitalityaction.org.uk or walkforwellbeing.org as well. Turtle Bay is, is Turtle Bay. You can visit Turtle Bay website. And actually, if you want to follow Turtle Bay's journey within E&I and wellbeing, we, we're very transparent and we share a lot of stuff on our website. Um, if you want to contact Sisu, um, it is, this is Sisu on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and our website is www.thisiscc.co.uk. And our socials is at cater.com, at cater.com. Thank you for listening. And we really hope you've got some nuggets from this inspiring group of incredible people today. Thank you for listening.